seated for just a moment. I want to say what a, an extreme honor it is to be here. Uh, I want to make sure that you understand that I don't know everything. In fact, I'm still learning day by day the things of God, the moving of God, the stirring of the Lord. I appreciate Brother Johnson, this church, Sister Johnson, everything that you do. Love you. Appreciate you. Brother Rowley, my friend, I am the only thing in between you and some tremendous Bible teaching and a meal. So I'm in a dangerous place. But I want to say I'm looking forward and praying for my friend, Brother Strain. I love him very, very much. And looking forward to the Word of God tomorrow with Brother Tipton again. And uh, Brother Tiller, I'm sorry I wasn't here last night, but he is my friend. I love the Tillers. I've been up there to have a great church in Carrollton, Kentucky. And he is a precious, precious man. Sweet, sweet spirit. I love that very, very much. I appreciate him. I want to be sweeter. I'm striving. Uh, it's just it's harder for some of us. <clears throat> I know this is on Holy Ghost Radio. I hope it is. I've got people that are uh, from our church that could not attend today. I serve a great big, beautiful God and wonderful Savior. Hallelujah. I am married to a wonderful and beautiful Christian woman. I'm glad that she's here. And uh, my children and grandchildren, I'm glad my daughters are here and one of my sons-in-law and uh, two grandchildren that are really, really grand. And I pastor a fabulous church it's an apostolic church they're here some of them and others will be worshiping as they listen so let's break the bread of life I have uh, something for you I'm, I'm almost tempted to apologize to some of you before I preach because I don't want to collect enemies and I don't want to be misunderstood. But the apostolic movement is in a state of flux. I don't know what you're looking at, but I'm, I'm telling you it's, it's in a state of indecision and movement. But there are still some people that are not going to water down our message. There's still some people that love what the Word of God says. There's still some people that said, I'm not going to back up, and I'm not going to give up, and I'm not going to turn around. I've got my mind made up. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So be, be seated. I, I know you like to be seated. You love that, don't you? You may. I've wrestled uh, with the Lord because I really, uh, I wanted to preach something that's just, man, it's just, just beat the pots, and, you know, kick the devil and knock down the door. <laughs> but I have a few little scribbles and uh, it's, it's not going to be um, as tailored and technical perhaps as Brother Tipton or as deep theologically as Brother 
tiller or as wonderfully and powerfully revivalistic as Brother Strain, but here we go. Genesis chapter 50. Good to see my friends here. I greet the brethren of like precious faith. If you are apostolic, it's me and you, buddy. If you're not apostolic, I want to know why you're not apostolic. Because the apostolic message is the message. If you don't believe Acts 2.38 is the only way, I want to know why you don't believe Acts 2.38. Because that's the message. So, if you're apostolic, it's, it's me and you. And Jesus. Hallelujah. Genesis 15. Thank you for the invitation. And uh, I left some checks in the truck. I'll be sure to leave a good offering later. I'm sorry. I like to give. I just, I left the house without my wallet this morning. So I love Truthway. Truthway. We got some Truthwayers here and they rock. Telling you, people show up at our church without the Holy Ghost. Our people go, hey, hey, going to be a bad night for the devil. (laughs) Verse number 12, Genesis 15. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them. And they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterwards... Shall they come out with great substance? And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Hallelujah. And if the Lord will help me for the next few moments, I'm going to preach in just real simple, no great exegesis this morning. Just what the Lord wants us to hear. But I want to talk to you about time for a comeback. One of my young men said, Pastor, are you nervous? I said, no. If the Lord's on my side. I'm an hour and 15 minutes from my house in bed. And I love this church and the churches that are represented here. But it's time for a comeback. I feel the Spirit trying to tell me, go ahead. I feel the Holy Ghost saying, somebody's going to receive what you're about to preach. 
I feel like there may be a pastor here this morning and you're going through hell. But I've come to tell you that God's about to give you a little bit of heaven. Somebody's going to get an answer. Somebody's going to get what they need this morning. I've come to tell some good mama that's been praying for children that are going crazy. You better hold on because it's time for a comeback. Hey. Lord Jesus, I love and appreciate you so very much. I thank God for these people. I know that they've come this morning because they love the message and they love the messengers. I'm asking you right now, God, to anoint this service. Help me, Lord, to do the best that I can. Jesus, you're so totally awesome. You are just so fabulous. Touch us and help us today. Speak to us. Speak through me and to the people. In the precious name of Jesus. Why don't we lift up a high praise to the Lord. I want to know if there's any blessed folks in the house. Because blessed people know how to lift up a high praise to the Lord. I want to know if somebody in this church this morning can say, I got a redeemer and my God is able to take me through. It's time for a comeback. All right. Praise the Lord. I want you to put on a great big smile. I know you want to sit down already. See, that's the way you all are. You already look in that pupil. I just can't wait to sit down. Well, don't sit too long. I want everybody to look up here and smile. It'll be the first time some of you have smiled probably this week. So smile, relax. Hey, listen, if you're not smiling, I, I feel a little odd this morning, more so than usual. And I'm going to come down there and get you by the hand because I feel a shout coming on. And I'm going to make you my shouting partner. So if you don't start smiling, you may be the target of my attention before this is over with. You better smile. All right. And I know some of you, I can tell already, some of you going, I better not come down and touch. I'll get you. You better look at me. I'll get you. I'll come get you right now. Praise God. I ain't scared of you. Smile. Put on a big smile. Reach around and shake two or three folks by the hand. Look them right in the eye and say, it's time for a comeback. All right, God bless you. You can be seated. <clears throat> I uh, covered a portion of this last night. I told the church, our church, I said, I'm going to give you a piece of the pie, and then, and then tomorrow I'm going to try to cover more of this. But <clears throat> I, I'm concerned, and I don't know if you're concerned. But I have to believe that you are concerned people. Uh, we're, we're in a precarious place as a, as a movement, as a, as a body of believers. Let, let me just qualify this by saying our Bible is a Pentecostal Bible. And the church is only going to be one kind of church and that's an apostolic church. And, and I know some people say, well, I don't, I don't like that, Brother Merritt. I think you should be more inclusive. I'm going to tell you the Bible's exclusive. 
And you're either in or you're out. You're either up or you're down. You're either right or you're wrong. You're either going or you're not. I'm telling you, that's the way it is. And if we'll get that in our soul, I want to know if this church is urgent about the things of God. Hallelujah. I want to know if somebody in here says, I've got to have a move of the Holy Ghost. I've got to have revival. I'm not going to settle for less. Oh, hallelujah. I know you're here on a Sunday morning, but it's time for us to quit having patty cake church and get up and say, I want a real move of God in my life and my church. Oh, be seated. So we're in an area, a state of of, 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 of change and movement and morphing and, and all of a sudden now we've, we're getting guys that are, I say guys that they don't put a premium on truth like they used to. They just want to fellowship anybody or anything. I'm going to tell you, I teach leadership and You can't learn leadership from a Trinitarian. The apostolic church has got the leadership because we've got the truth. And if somebody will say, I believe that God has a plan. Well, I'm sorry. I want to need to mosey on. I want to hear Brother Tipton. They shall come hither again. In the fourth generation, the fulfillment of Abraham's dream came in Exodus chapter 6. We see four generations, Levi, and then there was Kohath, and then there was Amran, and then there was Moses. And Moses represented the comeback generation, the fourth generation. Now, I'm going to qualify this by saying some things this morning that may be misunderstood. I don't want it to be misunderstood. But we are in multiple generations of Pentecost. There's men on the platform. They were raised in this truth. I, I salute you. I honor you. Because you're the greatest testimony. A lot greater than my testimony. Because I was a sinner. I couldn't help myself. I was bound by sin. I'm going to tell you when God found me, I was bound up. It, was a, it didn't take much grace to loose me. Well, hallelujah, anyhow. <laughs> But some of you that were raised in this and raised around this truth and you're second and third and fourth generation, you ought to get up and thank God that God has kept you. I'm telling somebody, you need to get up and give God glory because it's time for a comeback. They shall come hither again. And I've been studying this. I've been looking into this. What made the apostolic church the the world-changing force that it was? Because I'm going to tell you, I don't think we are the force that we should be. Well... Maybe this won't be a sermon. Maybe it just be a talk. And we've gotten so 
used to the blessings. So used to moving and being among God's people and we know how to worship. We know how to sing. See, I didn't learn my singing in church. I learned it in a bar room. And we know how to interact and we know when to stand and when to sit and when to lift our hands and when to shout hallelujah. But we've forgotten how to walk across the street and tell somebody that may not be the same color we are, may not drive the same car we drive, about the goodness of Jesus and I feel the Holy Ghost telling me to go ahead. I'm telling somebody it's time for a comeback. We need to get back. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. Let me, let me preach. There is a gap. I've been in churches. When I had revival, you know, you wouldn't have wanted me for revival. Some people think, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to have him come for revival. But you wouldn't have wanted because I was like a virus. I just came and stayed. <laughs> you know, I know I, some of these evangelists, if you're evangelist out there, I love you very much. And I, I know sometimes times can be tough. But I'm going to tell you, I, I was trying to leave and they were saying stay. <laughs> our, our revivals averaged about six months. Some of you folks can't take three nights. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I said I was going to be nice. I really, really am. Uh, <laughs> but what happened is it wasn't because the great exegetical preaching that was taking place. It was because the people began to be motivated to be the New Testament church we were designed to be. You see, some of you think that evangelist brings revival to the church, but that's a lie. The, the, the evangelist, if it's an apostolic church, it brings the church to revival because revival's already there. <laughs> Hallelujah. What would happen this year if some of you would get a hold of what I'm about to preach and take it back to your church and take your visit to the devil and say, I'm going to have a move of God. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Now, be seated. I, I forgot I'm I forgot I'm not at home. Some of you folks try to take your roots from Azusa Street and Topeka, Kansas, and Indianapolis, Indiana. Or brush arbors that happen down in Eunice. But I'm going to tell you, we go further back than that. The church that I belong to didn't start in Topeka, Kansas. The church that I'm a part of didn't start on Azusa Street. The church I belong to came on the day of Pentecost. And if we can get back to the day of Pentecost... Hey, I feel like somebody today is going to give the devil the business. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, I know you won't ever ask me back, but I know that's, that's all right. That's, I'm telling you, our people, they love us, and I'm glad I love them. And, uh, Abram represents the pattern. Abram was the pattern for the New Testament church. Abram shows us the way. Abram was the father of the faithful. Abram said, I'm going to give some types and shadows, some typology, so the church knows how to function. Because they're going to get to a place in 2014. Where everything's so convoluted and the internet's spewing junk into our homes and the world is trying to say, you know what, you need to blend in and be like us. But the apostolic church is never, never, never going to blend in with this world. Never. I'm going to tell you, it's still holiness or hell. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me. I got my timer on. Uh, what was what was Abram? Abram left everything he knew to go after something he didn't know anything about. Some people, they, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> Some people, because you don't know anything about the earth of the Chaldees and the pagan ways. You can't realize the blessings of where you are and you always want to look. Abram, seek me. Okay. Aaron, follow. Sure. And he was looking for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I'm going to tell you, when I came into this, I left everybody and everything that I knew. I left everybody and everything that was comfortable. I left the society that I fit in. And I began to go after the things of God. I'm telling somebody in this church this morning, if you want to be blessed, you've got to get up and leave that junk behind. You've got to get up and follow after Jesus. You've got to make up your mind. Well, Hallelujah. And he was an altar builder. All right. You know why some of you not having revival in your home? Some of you stiff shirt people. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't like starching my shirts. Oh, Lord, forgive me for saying that in Jesus' name. Help me. 
Some folks sit like a statue. Instead of altar. You know what altar building represents? It represents prayer. What's happened to us? We want to go to the prayer room and, hey, brother, I'm so glad to see you. And how you been? Hey, brother. Hey, hey brother. Oh, brother, I love that tie. I tell you, I just, you always dress so sharp. And yeah, you know what? Hey, man, I found a new fishing hole. Yeah, oh, you just won't believe it, man. I tell you, I got a new rod and reel, too. And it goes with my new bass boat. <laughs> And everything, you know, and you just begin to forget that if you want to move of God, you got to get back to building. See, altar building is symbolic and synonymous with prayer, but I'll go further than that. I will tell you that altar building is synonymous with building because prayer is synonymous with building. The devil's tore some things down in your family. The devil's wrecked some situations in your life. But I'm telling you, mama and daddy and child of God, if you'll get back to building altars, you're going to start building back the things that the devil has tried to tear down. I'll tell you what the apostolic church is. It's a bunch of people that are nobodies, but we know somebody, and he's able to help us if we'll build again the altar. If, I mean, hardly a, hardly a chapter in Genesis passes by that Abraham is involved in. He wasn't building an altar. Bless God, if he wasn't building an altar, he was digging a well. Yeah, that's right. Hallelujah. Building an altar means helping yourself. Building a well means you're helping somebody else. I've come to tell somebody it's time to redig those old wells. It's time to get the water flowing. It's time to have a move of God. It's time for a comeback. Uh, Can I have a few more minutes of your time? Somebody said, I wasn't expecting all this on Sunday morning. Well, neither was I, but. Here we are. Now let's get back to the generations. Abram. Abraham. Was an altar builder of the first order. A man given to prayer and dedication. A man given to digging wells and blessing others. When you show up someplace, are you blessing people? Or are you? Are they happier to see you leave or see you come? And then we have Isaac. Isaac was a second generation child of the righteous who enjoyed fabulous benefits 
unbelievable wealth because of the blessings of God, the altar building, the well digging of his father. Hallelujah. Some of you that are raised around this, you ought to be shouting more than people like me. When we get to the altar, and I know, I know our church, if you listen to our church pray, they pray a lot like, well, like the leadership. It's pretty intense. Kind of scary if you're not used to it. Come to our church and guests come in and go, okay, where can I sit? Do these people bite? It's because 80% of the people at Truthway are first generation people. We weren't raised in this. We didn't enjoy the blessings that some of you are enjoying. We've had to dig our own wells. And we've had to build our own altars. But I'm going to tell you, there's coming a generation behind us that's not going to have to fight the devil like we fought because we've already made a way. I'm telling some child in here that's a second or third generation, you ought to get up and praise the Lord in this house and thank God for the blessing. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I won't know if there's any blessed people in this house that lift up a high praise. I won't know if somebody can say, thank you, Jesus. But because Isaac was not an altar builder, we see prayerless Isaac Trying to improve on what his father had already done. Now, our preach is coming on now. I haven't preached yet, but we're fixing to get to some preaching. Second generation people. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't have a first generation experience, you better get it. Some of you say, well, I don't like that straight talk. But you've got to have a pastor or a preacher that will preach straight to you so you can be saved. I'm telling some preacher in here, you haven't got it all figured out. You ought to get up and give God praise in this house and say, I want somebody to help me. Well, here's Isaac. Isaac goes, he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to redig my daddy's wells. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Why did he have to redig the wells that his father dug? Because the enemy's always trying to put earth back in the spring fed wells when Abram he dug those wells it was clear sweet pure water but the Bible says the Philistines came and they put dirt back in the well that represents the world. I'm going to tell you, we don't need the world in our well. I'm 
I'm used to drinking pure, clean water. I don't know how it tastes to drink dirty, muddy water. But I'm telling some of you children of God, you need to get back up and you need to redig the well that your father dug. Well, hallelujah. Everybody say, time for a comeback. Be seated. So, Isaac goes. and He's got some drawbacks, but he's trying his best to redig the wells. So he goes to the first well. That's his daddy's well. And he starts digging the world back out of it. Now, now, you pastors, you can straighten this all out. Our folks are not on Facebook. Hold on now. Or some of y'all start hooting and hollering. Let me just tell you now, you better get ready. They're not on Facebook because it's a place for gossip. It's a place for reprobates to have contact with your people. Because they don't believe this message anymore. And you'll see, it's a place to snoop around on everybody else. But what hurts me is to see if there, I don't have it anymore, but I've seen it. And that's why I got off of it. Men that I was raised up with. Men that came from the same atmosphere that I came from. Men that came out of the same home church and on their Facebook page they talk about the movies they like and the television shows they watch. I'm going to tell you, child of God, it's time to dig the earth back out of your well. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what will make every pastor in here happy. If you'll go back and you'll start digging the world out of your well so the water can flow. Soon as Isaac started digging that old well, the herdsman of Gera showed up. Uh-huh. The neighbors showed up. Oh, hallelujah. I feel trouble coming on. Y'all, y'all really need to pray for me. I feel like a loose cannon right now. They said, you know what, Brother Merritt? I, somebody told me that you were against such and such. I said, they're Right. Had one pastor want to break fellowship with me because I was preaching that sports is idolatry. Let me just tell you, I'm still preaching that. We don't need some sports figure. We don't need some Hollywood star. What we need is the bright and the morning star to help us. You need to get the dirt out of your well. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. Some of you probably say, well, I bet he don't preach like that at home. 
wrong. In fact, I'm being nice this morning. You're always going to have strife when you start naming things as sin. Oh, mama. I, I don't want to. If I got friends here, I know I have a. Oh, my friends are here, and I love both of you. You know who you are. I don't want enemies. But I'm going to tell you what we've got. It's so precious. Some of you, it was handed to you free. You went to a well that you never had to dig and you drink of water that somebody else made a way for you. You didn't have to get your hands dirty. But I'm telling you, it's time to get back in the well and clean the well out. Can I? Oh, my. I'm sorry I said both of my friends. There's three of you. I'm sorry. He didn't quit digging. He said, no problem. If you don't want this message, I'm going to find out there's somebody that does. Had a man come to our church, and he said, quote, Brother Merritt, I just love your preaching. I said, well, thank you, sir. He said, I just love the way it feels here. I said, well, that's good. It feels good here. God's here. He said, if you'll just let down just a little bit. He said, brother, you'd have the biggest church in town. And that poor man doesn't know what he's talking about. Because we don't want a crowd. God doesn't want a social club. The Lord said, upon this rock... I'm going to build my church at the gates of hell. I'm time to get back to the well and dig it out. Oh, hallelujah. Well, so if they don't want it, go find somebody that does. I'm telling you, truth way, do we want this message? Do we love this apostolic way? Are we going to go to heaven together? You better believe it. Dig your well out. Okay, if they don't want it, go find another place. He went and said, okay, there's another well over here. And sure enough, the enemies of God have covered it up with dirt. Oh, I'm going to make somebody good and mad. Come see me after service. And explain to me why you would need premium access to some sports team. I'm interested. Convince me. Come help me. Because I don't understand that. I'm telling some saint the same thing. You, there's dirt in your well and you're used to drinking muddy water. And you can't recognize God wants you to dig that stuff out. And when you preach like this, 
when you preach what I'm preaching right now, you're going to have a sitnik. Opposition. Strive from one way, opposition from another. And people are saying, Brother Merritt, you're just an old relic. You're wrong, friend. I came from that stuff. I came out of that stuff. God brought me out of that. He brought me into a church that had a pastor that cleaned the wells out and preached the truth so I could be saved. Hallelujah. I wish somebody would praise the Lord in this house. All right, let me get to the third generation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurry. Third generation represents a man that we all know, Jake. What Abraham did, and prayerless Isaac tried to improve on. Jacob comes along and tries to get around it all together. We all got them, Jacob's. Well, I don't believe the Bible says that. I had one man come up to me. He says, why don't you just preach against electricity? I said, well, if I thought it was sin, I'd preach about it every service. And if I thought it would help you, I'd preach about it anyway. What maybe some of you need to do is go to the power company and just turn the electricity off so you can be saved. Or maybe you ought to get back to building altars and digging wells like God wants you to do. Well, hallelujah. (laughs) I'm I'm going to quit. My time's up. Some people scheme because of their lack of holiness. They're like Jacob. Always looking for the route of least resistance. It scares me when people say, well explain to me exactly what I have to do. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, pastor, is it here? Or is it here? Uh, Do you mean right to the elbow or do you mean to the shoulder? Do you mean this neckline can be here or can it be? And they're always trying to get around. Some folks say, well, I'm going to tell you, it's because I'm married that I wear this. My Bible talks about the wearing of gold and costly array. I'm going to tell you how to show the world that you're married. Act like you're married. I'm going to tell you that you need to tell the world we're one God apostolic people. And we came out of that stuff. I'm not wearing an amulet that came from Egypt. I wish I had some real help in here. Because it just doesn't stop with a band. You got to show your flesh and how much wealth you've got. I'm sorry. I'm 
sorry. I'm sorry. Now, I'm not sorry for what I'm saying. I'm sorry it's offensive. Be seated. Be seated. Let me park for a moment. When I got into church, I was a sinner boy. I married the girl of my dreams. I wanted to bless her. I didn't have much. But we were sinner kids. I wanted to make sure that she had something meaningful. So I studied diamonds. I wanted to know about them. Because I wanted to make sure my girl had the best. There's cut, clarity, color, and carrot, the four C's that make up a diamond. And you can grade the diamond if you know the four C's and how to grade it. So I went to a gemologist. Uh, I don't mean to bore you. And because uh, we don't hear preaching like this much. But I'm going to dig some dirt out while I'm here. I went to a gemologist and he began to teach me. And he began to order stones for me. And I made my wife a custom setting. And I bought her a 93 point, almost a carat, weight diamond. It had one tiny white inclusion that you could only see under a 30 power microscope. It was G clarity. means it was very, very clear. And it was an American brilliant cut, the finest cut they make. And I said, that's the one. I paid more money than this poor boy had to pay. I saved money. And I was so happy to give it to my girl. We went to an apostolic church. I remember my wife saying, well, I'll go with you, but I'm not going to be one of them. And I said, I I understand. I'm not sure I want to be one of them either, but something's going on. Nobody had to preach what I'm preaching right now. This my wife's a Christian. She got the Holy Ghost before I did. She's, she's smarter than me. A lot. And right now she's praying for me. Be nice. Be nice. One day we were in worship service. And the Holy Ghost was moved. Sissy, Sissy lifted her hands to worship and something glinted in her eye. She put her hands back there. She thought, oh, that's just, you know, I don't know why I'm feeling like that. She said, oh, I love you, Jesus. And then she saw it again. It was beautiful. It was bought in love. It had meaning to me. But the Lord spoke to her and said, What do the people behind you think? How is that affecting them? 
Some of you are awfully quiet. And my good godly wife, and I'm going to tell you what, I, I don't know why I got her, but God's good. Well, I tricked her. Never mind. Uh, she put her hand back down. She took it off of her hand. She put it in a pocket in her purse. And she never put it on again because it drew attention to the flesh. Some of you want scripture. Some of you want line upon line. But I'm going to tell you there's a precept that draws attention. Oh, hallelujah. I'm praying for you right now that you'll get that dirt out of your well. That you'll get the world out of your well. That you'll let those spring waters flow. Let's all stand. I'm going to quit. Brother Tipton, you just come try to try to do some reparation here. I was going to talk about Jacob, but I'm not. I'm just going to tell you there was a fourth generation. It was a young man that had his daddy's eye. Oh, Jacob. Jacob was a scoundrel. But even Jacob, and I'm going to tell some of you that have Jacobs in your life. Even Jacob. God got a hold of him. I've heard it preached so many times that the angel came and Jacob woke up and all of a sudden he decided he was Rambo and jumps up and grabs a hold of the angel and said bless me you know that's a lie if you woke up and there was something like me standing over you that had you by the arm You'd be screaming if you're a man like a little girl. <laughs> Let me go. But all of a sudden, the angel touched the hinder part of his thigh. And when he touched him on the thigh, the leg drew up. And Jacob said, you got me. I can't run. I don't know what else you're going to do to me. Never had this happen before. Because there's always time for a comeback. You may drag that leg all through life. But your running days are just about over, Jake. All these big strapping boys. And Jacob, you know, he tried to circumvent the blessings of God. But he favored Joseph. Joseph was his boy. Joseph. Hey, Joe, I got a special coat for you, buddy. Joe's always saying, Oh, I had a dream. I had a dream. I had a vision. Wow. Sitting around the dinner table, eating fried chicken. Joe says, I don't believe the dreams. He starts telling them the dreams, and 
sometimes, oh, just sometimes, when you dig the wells back up, your brothers won't appreciate it. When a man stands for something and a woman stands for something, I remember, remember our family. I won't tell you all the story, but Mom and I cleaned up our home and we made our house a house of prayer. Our house is a sanctuary. We don't want dirt in our house. When I turn on the spigot, I want clear water to come out. I don't want muddy water to come out. When I turn on the computer, I want clear water to come out. We're not looking for the latest fashion. We don't care what People Magazine has to say about it. Well, hallelujah. And our families... Because we dug the earth out. Our family said, what is wrong with you people? Why are you depriving our grandchildren? You, you're, you're raising them to be warped. You're bad parents. Why are you going to church again? How many times do you go to church? Some folks are looking at trying to get out of church, but I'm going to tell you, truth way, we're trying to have more church. I'm going to tell you a sad story. We witnessed to them. We taught them Bible studies. Listen to me. My mom and daddy died in the faith. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all the years said something's wrong with y'all something's wrong with you other families on the other side and the families that went through life drinking muddy water you can see the spots in their life and the cancer in their children of taking something that's not pure Truth wears, we come to church, we got tattoos on our necks, toes, smell like cigarettes, day old beer stale, but they make great saints because God cleans them up. And they're not doing like some Pentecostal youth trying to figure out when I get 18, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to put a mark on me. I'm going to tell you, you don't need that mark on you. What you need to do is redig the well. You need to live for God. You don't want the marks of the world on you. Have you, have you thrown in the towel? Huh? Have you, have you said, Pastor, we just can't do it. Preacher, you're just asking too much of us. 
But the word says, come out. You want to know how come Truthway has revival? It's because we don't want to be a part of the world anymore. You want to know how come we baptize people? You can get the Holy Ghost because we got the world out of the well. Can I get a... Close your eyes. What is it, friend? Some of you got dirt so deep in you, you don't even know how to dig it out, but the Holy Ghost does. Some of you saying, Brother Merritt, I haven't felt a move of God in so long. It's because you've been letting dirt get in your well. But the Bible says they shall come back in the fourth generation. I'm telling somebody in this church, it's time for an apostolic comeback. Now, is there enough in you to bring that to the altar right now? Bring it, bring that, bring it. I know what... I know what God's trying to do, but some of you need to be, you need to man up or woman up and say, there's some stuff I want to dig out. Come do it now. Come on, quickly. Come on, quick, quick. We got time for this. Come and pray over your family if your family's here. Come on, pray, pray with somebody.